We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Next part of the breakdown is going to be step-up time. And when you look at this Duke game, who are the people to me that have to step up and and play their best, coach their best against Duke? And to a degree, it's sort of a bounce-back type of conversation. But the other part of it is specific to Duke with a little bit of a hindsight on questions that came out of the last game, but it really does come down to who are going to be the standouts for Notre Dame in this game. Who are the players that, that the coaching staff needs to ensure are put in position to be successful. And then those players have to then step up and be successful. And we're going to start on the offensive side of the ball because that's what we do. The first player to me that is going to have to play well in this game from is my, in my opinion is Tobias Merriweather, and it's not so much that I'm I'm disappointed in the way he's played. I've been more disappointed in the lack of really trying to force the issue to get him the football. One of my concerns, really all season, I've voiced this many times, has been Notre Dame's unwillingness to try to force the issue with some of their receivers in games where you could take advantage of forcing the issue to try to get them going. And Tobias Merriweather is one. And I'm going to talk about another one here in the coach in a coaching section, but I, I want to start with Tobias first. Now, part of this also is Tobias also has to play better. Tobias has to play with a greater sense of urgency coming off the line. The thing about Tobias is he's a long strider. The reason he was a really good 200-meter guy in high school but not necessarily a state champion in the 100-meter is because he's one of those guys that is a, you know, he needs some steps to kind of build up his speed. That's fine. There are things you, Will Fuller was that way. There are some things you can do to take advantage of that where you have to tell your quarterback, hey, stay on this a little bit more. Some things where you maybe design some opportunities, say, we're going to take a shot here. It seems that Notre Dame has been so focused on just not wanting to throw an incomplete pass or make a mistake that they're just not willing to be more aggressive. 
And and so I want to see that change a little bit, but Tobias has to kind of force that issue. He's got to be better with his releases. He's got to play with a little bit more urgency coming off of his routes, uh, off of, out of his stance. Those are things he has to work on. But it also comes down to what Sam's got to say, hey, look, give those guys those chances to make those plays. And it comes down to the coaches to say, hey, look, you've got to do more to get this guy to football. And this is going to sound kind of funny, but it, it's kind of like relying on Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores, honestly, is a little bit lazy. And 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 let me explain what I mean. Rico and Jaden are very talented players, but they came to Notre Dame extremely advanced and ready to play. They showed up that way. And instead of kind of forcing the issue with some of your more talented guys that weren't quite as advanced, like a Tobias, like a Chris Tyree, who I'm going to talk about in a second, you've kind of relied on more of the advanced guys. And I just think that's a little bit uh, – lazy might not be the right word. Easy. It's the easy out. That's a better word because I don't think this Notre Dame coaching staff offensively is lazy at all. I don't think anyone on the Notre Dame coaching staff is lazy. So I'm going to take back that lazy term because I don't – I think it will be perceived in a way that I don't mean it. I think easy is the way that I – is the way – I think the best way to explain it. It's easy to take the advanced players that can already execute certain things and just say, let's roll with them, as opposed to saying, no, 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 no. This kid is a kid we're going to need to beat Ohio State. This kid we're going to need to beat USC. We're going to need him to beat this team, and we've got to force the issue with these players. And they haven't done that. And that's, to me, stunted the, the development of the pass game a little bit. And and it's it's this isn't hindsight 2020. This isn't, oh, you struggled against Ohio State. The pass game was doing all these good things statistically beforehand. I've been talking about this when the pass game was putting up good numbers, where you're going to need to get this guy going. You need to get that guy going. And, and, and we talked about some of the release issues that the receivers have had. So this isn't new. It just finally bit him in the butt on Saturday. And so they're going to have to look in the mirror and say, hey, look, what we were doing worked against teams we were way better than, but when we finally played someone on our level, it didn't work. And you know we're we're gonna we're gonna have to figure out ways to get that going and shift our approach a little bit. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So to me, that's a big key for Duke because I think there are some opportunities in this game, in my opinion, to be able to go at Duke a little bit down the field. It's not easy, but partly because they're not a great pass rushing team, I do think there are some things Notre Dame can do with their drop back game. I believe there are some things that Notre Dame can do with their play action game where they can take some advantages, take it, you know, take some opportunities to get the ball down the field, take advantage of certain matchups, especially if they can figure out ways uh, to get those guys matched up against uh, safeties. Because I think that's where you're, where Duke is a little bit more vulnerable when it comes to the the throwing game. And if you look at Sam Hartman last year against Duke, now again, the corners are better, but the safeties are the same. Last year against Duke, Sam Hartman completed six pass, six of 11 ball deep balls in that game last year for 162 yards. He also completed eight of 15 shorts and throws intermediate. So he went 14 of 29 for 255 yards and three touchdowns on throws of 10 yards or more against uh, against Duke last year. I'm not saying you need to throw it that many times down the field, but you definitely have to throw it down the field more than you did against Ohio State. And their utter just unwillingness to even think about attacking that part of the field, they took two deep shots really the whole game. Ah, three, because they had the one that was a penalty. They went 0 for 2 and, and then another completion. And, my, and my, my, my concern is two of the three shots you took were to Jaden Thomas and Rico Flores, good football players. But are go routes really where Rico Flores and Jaden Thomas are at their best? I don't think that it is. So you're not using their skills. And you say, well, Rico just caught it. He caught a deep ball where he was pretty well covered against Central Michigan. That's not Ohio State. And, and so to me, I don't feel the, the one knock I have on this Notre Dame offensive staff, who's done a lot of good things so far, is this right here. They're not doing enough to push some of the more talented, vertical players into the offense it's relying on efficiency and those type of things and that's fine efficiency is good but what do I always say to be a great offense you need efficiency and explosiveness and they've been able to rely on some of those big plays out of different situations but not really making those big play guys more of a part of the offense that's got to change and it's got to start this week so it's also Tobias stepping up. He's got to play better to play better. He's got to do a better job in certain situations, but they need to also make sure that they're utilizing him more effectively. And then making sure that they're using Jaden Greathouse and they're using Rico Flores and they're using Jaden Thomas in situations that are playing to their strengths greater. Number two, Holden Stace. Holden Stace is going to be a big part of this game. Notre Dame's banged up a receiver. They're going to be a little limited at the receiver position. We all we've talked about that, right? And and with all the injuries, uh, Deion Colsey's out with a knee. He's going to be out for a while. 
Jaden Thomas has a hamstring. And here's the thing. Jaden is a possession receiver, and he's a good possession receiver. Uh, Jaden Thomas right now leads the Notre Dame offense and catches with 13. He's second on the team with uh, 195 receiving yards. He's a possession guy. He is not a stretch the field kind of guy. And, and so you're, you're, you're losing him. You're losing Dion, who's more of a vertical player. You're looking at now you have, you have Tobias, you have Chris Tyree, you have Jaden Greathouse, you have Rico Flores, Matt Salerno's out, Dion's out. You could, you could maybe get Braylon James going. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Take a couple deep shots to him in this game. But the key is going to be you're going to see a lot more of the 12 personnel stuff which they've done a ton of. And you're going to see, I think, more of the 21 and 22 personnel stuff. And Holden Stace had a big breakout against NC State, right? Four catches, 115 yards. Problem is, in the other four games, he's only caught two passes for eight yards. He has not built on that on that game against NC State. We have seen Mitchell Evans come out and, and, and become sort of that number one tight end, which is not surprising. We thought Mitchell Evans was going to be the number one tight end. You know, he had four for 61 against Tennessee State. He's coming off of a seven-catch, 75-yard game against uh, against um, Ohio State. The problem is it's kind of going back to what we've talked about in the past, which is where Notre Dame seems to only be able to get like one tight end going at a time. So if Mitchell's doing something, Holden's an afterthought. If Holden's doing something, Mitchell's an afterthought. So the game where Holden Stace went off for four catches for um, – he had four catches for was 115 yards and two touchdowns. Mitchell Evans only had one catch for two yards. He had a drop as well, but he wasn't really, you know, part of what Notre Dame was doing in that particular game. You're going to need both of those guys to be more factors in the past game against, against Ohio state or against uh, Duke. And, and that means not just using them in the tight stuff, but also being willing to get them outside and do some stuff with them on the perimeter as well. So if Holden, if people say, well, how are you going to replace Jane Thomas? That's my answer right there. Holden Stace. That's my number one answer. I'm all for triggering, you know, getting Braylon James going and seeing what he can do. I'm all for it. I don't think Braylon James is a five-year player. He may not be ready to play a ton now. He may be a more of a Golden Tate type of guy where Golden Tate really didn't know what he was doing his first year. But here's what I know about Braylon James. He's tall and he's really fast. And so he he's a guy that can help you. I would get I would activate him and I'd get him going. He's already played two games. I know you run the risk of burning his retro, but guys, here's the deal. If Braylon James is the player you think he is, he's not going to be here for a fifth year no matter what he does as a freshman. He could do nothing the next two years, break out and, and be gone. Look at Miles Boykin. Miles Boykin redshirted, only caught six passes in year two. Year three becomes part of the rotation. He has one breakout season as a senior, gone to the NFL, doesn't use his fifth year. So, Tony, Braylon James, if Braylon James is coming back for a fifth year, either A, he's not as good as I think he is, or B, he had an injury. And if he has an injury, you're probably getting a red shirt out of him anyway. So why not? Why not try to get him going? He brings a skill set that you don't have a lot of on your offense. That's why I would consider activating Braylon James. But what you do know, what you do know is that Holden Stace can play. And so trying to find more ways where you can be a more effective vertical passing team out of your 12 personnel is going to be important. And out of their 12 personnel, Notre Dame has thrown the ball a decent amount, but it's all short to intermediate stuff. They're going to have to find ways to, to attack down the field out of their 12 personnel packages. 
And that means that Holden Stace front and center is a big time player this week. Not, not meaning he needs to play well and you don't need Mitchell Evans. It's Mitchell Evans. Keep doing what you're doing against Ohio state. Keep doing that. Keep being that guy. But now they need Holden Stace to also be kind of that NC state player as well. That helps overcome that a little bit. So those are different things that I would love to see them do uh, with those two players coming out of this game. I love, I'm looking in the chat. I think it's my guy, Brian Felton. I think I see uh, Texan. I think that's the same Brian Felton that I went to high school with. I think the only Notre Dame fan that I knew uh, when I was at Kempsville, I think it's the same guy. So uh, thanks for stopping in, Brian. Third guy that's going to have to step up in this game offensively for Notre Dame is Jared Parker. And, and Jared Parker is a guy that I have, uh, I have, I'm very happy with what he's done so far this year. I, I lobbied, I lobbed my complaints about the fourth and one call. Uh, I made my my dis- not complaints disagreements about the final series known. I don't think the final series was as bad as people made it out to be because I I was discussing today with someone who was making a great football argument. It was a a good conversation that I I rather enjoyed. But you know his his comment was you know some head scratching play calls. I'm like, well, I don't agree with his play calls, but they weren't head scratching. You absolutely understood them. They were doing what they had done the whole game. Audric runs, then they go to the two-back personnel, bring in Jeremiah Love, and he rips it off. I mean, they had been doing that stuff the whole game. I just would have done something different there. And that's more of a disagreement than saying, oh, bad job. The one call that I just hated was the fourth and one. But for the most part, Jared Parker's done a lot of good things. But there are things that he needs to do better, in my opinion. You're five games in now. And, and number one, I just want to see Coach Parker bounce back from last week. And, and, you know, your offense scored 14 points. Your offense didn't get it done. What do you do as the leader of that offense to really get these guys going and playing at their best? Do you come out? Are you kind of conservative again? Do you come out aggressive? Do you come out too aggressive, which is the kind of the, the over overcorrection that you can make and, and say, Hey, look, guys, we're putting that behind us. and We're going to come out and we're going to play well. And that's all fine and dandy. But you as a competitor, need to say we've got something we got to improve but also we've got some things we got to we got to get better at and one thing that they have to get better at is using the speed that they have more effectively in the pass game one of my biggest frustrations from the Ohio State game and y'all know I love Jaden Greathouse love Rico Flores but we should not see as many snaps as we saw of Rico and Jaden Thomas and Jaden Greathouse in combinations together as much as we did because you have no vertical threat against a good team in that situation. And Ohio State knew it. And so how they use their receiving rotation, to me, needs to change. And they're getting into a little bit of the old regime of playing the guys that are safe, that are the good route runners, that are the the guys that can move the chains and being less willing to say, let's go. Great, you took deep shots against Central Michigan. Don't care. You took none against Ohio State. Not really. You know, oh, great, you 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 had some big plays against NC State. You didn't have any against Ohio State. Those are the games you're evaluated by. So I want to see Coach Parker make some adjustments to say we've got to play Chris Tyree more than 12, you know, 12 snaps a game. And if you look at the Notre Dame season so far, and you look at what Chris Tyree has done so far, they spent all this time in the offseason 
getting Chris Tyree to transition to wide receiver. And then you come out in the season and he's ripping off big plays. I mean, Chris, Chris, some, somebody's complaining, oh, Chris Tyree just, just doesn't make any plays. I'm like, you, you know that Chris Tyree is Notre Dame's leading receiver in yards right now, right? He's got 241 yards on only nine catches. And when you consider the fact that those nine catches and 241 yards have only come on 79 total snaps in five games, the guy's playing 15.8 snaps a game. So basically 16 snaps a game. That's it. Highest of the season is 22. Next highest is 18. He's played 14 in two games and 11. I'm sorry. That's not enough. He's only played 50, 50, 50 of his 79 uh, snaps have been pass plays. So it's a very – when Chris Tyree is in the game, there's a pretty good chance that you're throwing the football. You know, 50 of his 70, 79 snaps have been uh, pass plays. So there's over a 60% chance when Chris Tyree's in the game that they're throwing the football. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that. I want to see Chris Tyree carry the ball. I want to see Chris Tyree be used in different ways. Use his speed, even if it's not to get him the ball – if there's more ways to try and get him the ball with just a bunch of seam routes, it's like it's like all they had him run on Saturday. You know, ran him on one cross, he catches it and, you know, runs for 20-some yards. You've got to find more ways to get your speed going. You've got to find more ways to utilize Tobias Merriweather's downfield speed. You've got to find more ways to utilize Chris Tyree in the pass game. I'm not talking 50 snaps a game, but I'm talking about you got to find ways to get him the football more. Because when he's touched it, he's been very dynamic. He's got nine catches for 241 yards. He's averaging 26.8 yards per catch. He's not dropped a single pass so far this season. He's done what he's you've been asking to do. You need to activate him a little bit more, in my opinion. You need to get him at least 10 to 15 more snaps a game. Be more willing to use him in, in different parts of the game. You know, you're you're using Rico Flores and Jaden Greathouse and Jaden Thomas to go in motion, and you're shocked Ohio State's not concerned about it. And then when you do a, a jet sweep, you run it into the boundary. It's just kind of one of those things where that stuff's wasted motion. That's wasted movement, in my opinion, uh, to run jet sweeps like that when you're running the football. Guy like Chris Tyree can be a little bit more of a weapon. They need to start utilizing him more uh, because – that's just – that's got to be a part of what they're doing. And somebody just said, I think the issue is Tyree's not a good run blocker. You're, you're kind of missing the point, right? They do a ton of jet motion. You can be effective in one of two ways. A, use them in, as a motion player. Number two, what's the other thing I've, I've discussed? Do more RPOs. If Chris Tyree's out there in a the run game and you're running RPOs, bubble screens, now screens, slants, glances, things like that, then you he's blocking by occupying those guys with the pass game. And if teams don't respect that, then you pull and throw the RPO. That was supposedly going to be one of the reasons that you brought Jared Parker in. Now, I don't know if that's Jared Parker not wanting to, to do that or if that's Marcus Freeman. You know, hey, we're going to control the clock and do all this kind of stuff. I don't know who's the decision maker here, but the fact of the matter is you've got to find more ways to utilize the speed you have. That includes also Jeremiah Love and Jadarian Price. That I started to see on Saturday. And we're starting to see him use Love on some wheels and things like that. So I do like that. But we need to see a little bit more of it. We need to see more of utilizing your speed on the perimeter with your run game because you can't have this type of, of, of dynamic where, you know, when this guy's in the game, you're 60% good chance that you're going to be throwing the football 
all right, run RPOs, do different aspects where you put him in motion and you, you're using him to occupy a guy with a reverse action. And here's the thing, guys, if you're running a, re- a reverse fake, Chris Tyree's blocking someone just by his presence. Okay, that's how football works. It's not always just about stalk blocking. And first and second of all, Chris Tyree's not a bad run blocker. It's not great, but he can get in people's way. But a good football coach is going to take a weapon like that and say, okay, maybe he's not a guy that we're going to stalk block all game, but we're going to utilize him in the run game more effectively to where that 63% gets down to about 50-50. And, and now you're using him on some things. Because if he runs a reverse or jet action and the defense doesn't respond to it, guess what you do? next play or two plays later, you run the flip in reverse. We saw Tommy Reese do this a couple years ago in 2020 at Georgia Tech when Chris Tyree's a freshman. They went with a two-back alignment. They ran a stretch play to to uh, Kyron Williams, and they ran Chris Tyree was outside, and he ran a reverse action. No, they didn't give to him. They just ran a stretch play. Georgia Tech ignored it, didn't react to it. Very next play, very next play, they ran the same exact play, but this time they handed it off on Tyree in reverse, and he runs for 25 yards. First down, right? Like you're, you either occupy someone with his action or if they don't respect it, you then give him the ball, right? That's how it works. That's how this offense has to be. And so to me, I, I got no issue with Jaden Greathouse playing. I love Jaden Greathouse. He's been a, he's been their most kind of uh, accountable receiver. I mean, that guy, when you need to play, he's made it. I, Rico Flores is doing a good job. I, I love what Rico brings to the table. But to beat USC, to beat Ohio State, to beat Clemson, to beat Georgia, to beat Texas, to beat Washington, you're going to need more from Tobias Merriweather. You're going to need more from Chris Tyree. You're going to need more from your speed players doing speed things. And until they're willing to do that and not be so just we're just kind of better than you and we're just going to lean on you, then they're just they're just not going to be, you know, they're just not going to be there. I also want to point this out because I'm really tired of seeing this. We see a, a comment that says, hash, it says, shout out to Coach Park, Coach Ludwig. Um, it says, hashtag experience, uh, hashtag not experience for Jared Parker. That is such a absurd thing to say. Need I remind you? Now, y'all know I'm an Andy Park, and, and I like Andy Ludwig. But need I remind you that the weekend that you're complaining about Jared Parker scoring 14 points and having 350-something yards of offense against Ohio State, that Utah at home against UCLA had 14 points and 219 yards of offense. In their three games against, against FBS opponents, Utah has gone for 270, 377, and 219 on offense. Do, do I need to remind y'all that that last year that that Andy Ludwig in in uh, in November had an offense that went for 17 points and only 326 yards against Oregon? So so spare me the the whole the whole uh, oh well if Andy Ludwig was the coach this would happen. You don't know that, and I love Andy Ludwig. That was the guy that I wanted as the OC. But let's not let's not be petty and about this and pretend that the first four games under Jared Parker didn't happen that some of the things that they did on Saturday were really good. Jared Parker, to me, was was not what he needed to be on about four plays. He's got to be better. Some of the stuff was on the quarterback. has got to throw to the open guy. The receivers have got to do a better job over here. 
you've got to execute. There was a play uh, in the fourth quarter where Chris Tyree is about to come open on the scene for what might have been a 90-something yard touchdown. And Blake Fisher, who otherwise played an excellent game on Saturday, gets knocked back into Sam, and Sam can't block him. It's a very well-designed play. So let's let's not get into that stuff. Let's not play that petty game. Uh, because the fact of the matter is this he's done a lot of good things. Now we gotta learn what he does after adversity. And we're gonna do that this weekend. So yes, he's got to get better. Uh, but let's not act like the guy that we that we all wanted is also put some phenomenal offense on the field this year. Nor did he do it last year all the time with uh with with his starting quarterback. Coaches have bad games. Jared Parker didn't even have a bad game. He didn't have a good enough game. Coaches are like players. Sometimes they don't have it. Andy Ludwig, the guy that I wanted to be the offensive coordinator this offseason, absolutely had bad games last year. Had a bad game against Washington State. 21 points, 344 yards, 4.99 per carry. Worse than what we saw against Ohio State. Had one against Oregon last year. Had one against Penn State in the bowl game last year. It happens. And so I just – I don't particularly care much for those type of of, um, of responses. Clark Lee had less experience as a coach than than Jared Parker had. Notre Dame went to the playoff his first year. Jared Parker's going to be fine. He's been fine for a lot of the season. So let's not do that. Let's talk defense here, folks. Let's get into the defensive players that got to step up. Number one, this is a big one for me, Jordan Batelho. He's got to step up. Now, Jordan Batelho has actually been a pretty good run defender for Notre Dame this year, and, and he's going to need to continue that this week, but he has got to find something out on as a pass rusher, and I broke the stats down last night. You have a guy that is your primary viper, and he's got – eight pressures on the entire season in five games. That's not anywhere close to being good enough. Not anywhere close. And in this particular game, a guy like Jordan Patelho is going to have to be a big part of this game. He's going to have to have some of those pressures, those impact pressures. I'm not worried about sacks as much, although sacks are great because, you know, sacks are great. It's just they're not always the end-all be-all. It is about pressure. Pressure leads to mistakes. Pressure leads to sacks. Pressure leads to fumbles. Pressure leads to incompletions. Pressure leads to interceptions. Uh, Pressure leads to negative gains in other instances. And they can lead to penalties, throwing the ball away. You know, intentional grounding like we saw against Ohio State, which Jordan Patojo was the guy that got the pressure, I believe, on that. Was one of the guys that got a pressure on that play. I think Mills Mills or Cross had the first pressure, and and then I believe Patojo finished it off. And so, and John A1, by the way, I agree with that point you just made in the chat. I wonder about that too. But you get a guy who's just not bringing you much from a pass rush standpoint. He's going to have to step up. He's going to have to step up in this game. And part of it too, and I'll get into this in a second, is going to be on the coaching. They need Jordan Patojo to be a much more impactful pass rusher in this game. I think there's two things they can do to help Jordan Patojo, and this is on the coaches. Number one, you've got to do more than just the one rush you're letting him do right now. I know Jordan Patel's counter moves. You've got to do more things to let him rush wider at times. You've got to let him have some counter moves. You've got to help him uh, have a little bit more of a, of, a, of a takeoff stance. 
where he's not so square. There's some different things that he can do there. The other part too is take some of the 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 pressure off of him from a snap standpoint. And and the, so the second part to me is when you look at a guy like Jordan Patojo and the number of snaps he's playing and then the lack of snaps that you're seeing behind him, to me that's something that that is going to have to is going to have to be looked at in my opinion. Jordan Patojo is playing a lot of snaps this season. And I just kind of I just feel like this is a, a situation where they're going to have to find some ways to limit that. Now, his overall numbers are not terrible. He played 27 against Navy, 32 against Tennessee State, 31 against Central Michigan. But he played over 50 snaps against NC State and over 50 snaps against um, against um, Ohio State this past week. And the reality is, is you know, he's not Isaiah Foskey. He doesn't have Isaiah Foskey's length. He doesn't have Isaiah Foskey's, you know, size. I don't know that Jordan Patojo is in a position where that's ideal for him. I, I don't. And they're going to, I think, get about, you know, let's say 10 to 15 of the snaps off of his legs. And then when you get in the fourth quarter in a drive, a game like you had against Ohio State, where you need a big stop, you need a big pass rush, take, 10, 15 snaps off of Jordan Patejo's legs, let him be just a tad fresher. Maybe he then goes, has the chance to go make that kind of play. And, and so that's something that I'd like to see uh, the staff do to take some of that burden off of Jordan Patejo to where maybe he can be a little bit fresher in the fourth quarter of some of these big games. And if they can do that, then I think Jordan can take off, but they, they desperately need him to play better in the pass game. It's not just coaching. It's him too. He's got to play better in the pass game and he's got to be on the field. Uh, when he's supposed to be on the field. That's obviously a pretty important part of this as well. The other guy that needs to step up to me this week is Maris Leofau. Maris has got – now, Maris has done a lot of good things this year. He has. But he did not play well against Ohio State. Some of the lack of production stuff is overblown. The way that Notre Dame was using him, he was not always in position to make plays on the football. Uh, so, so the whole, oh, you know – Somebody with a childish comment about, like, look, Maris wasn't put in position to make a lot of tackles. First of all, he was not tackleless. The stat keepers, whoever did a poor job, he he was in at least three tackles when I went back and watched the game. So he was not held tackleless, just in the stat sheet, maybe. But in real life and watching film, he wasn't. But he's got to be more decisive. And he wasn't decisive in this game. He had done a lot of good things coming into this game. But in the run game, he just was not aggressive enough coming downhill against Ohio State. He's going to have to be better. He's going to have to be disciplined. He's going to be a guy that's going to have a big role in making sure that Riley Leonard doesn't go off. That's the other part. So part of it's, you know, bounce back from Ohio State, get back to being the guy you were the first four games. One bad game from Maris does not eliminate the fact that he played four pretty good football games before that. They're going to need him to bounce back from that. And number two, He's going to play a very important role in limiting Riley Leonard's effectiveness. Riley Leonard made the Duke linebackers not look like studs. Notre Dame guys can't allow that to happen. So as a whole, the linebackers have to play better. I wouldn't be shocked if we see a little bit more of Jack Kaiser in this game. And I know that Duke has likes to do a lot of their you know, 11 personnel stuff, but so what? If Duke is throwing quick game and trying to get the ball outside and not running the ball and not letting Riley Leonard get going, that's advantage Notre Dame. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more of that at times. 
in, in this in this uh, this particular game. But Maris is going to play a big role in keeping right and keeping Riley Leonard contained. There's no doubt, and he's going to have to play well. And then the third guy, I'm going to stick to coaching here, is Al Golden. You know, coach is going to have to get his guys to bounce back. That's the part is your job as the leader of that side of the ball. You know, hey, look, yes, take ownership for what you need to take ownership for. Hey, guys, you know, like I, I read the article that Al Golden, or I read the article that Sean Styers did for Irish Breakdown about this particular topic. And, you know, Al Golden's kind of explaining why he did the things that he did in that in that game. And you're like, okay, yeah, I get it, but I, I, I mean, it's fine that you're explaining it. That's good. But what it can't be is like, is justifying it with the standpoint of like, well, this is why I did it and it didn't work, but I would do it again. You know, look, I can, un- I'm, I'm all for, look, as a coach, I promise you, I promise you, I can lie to you and say, Hey, every call I made was great. And you wouldn't really be able, unless you have access to weird access to division three and one double a games from over 10 years ago, almost 20 years ago. Now I could lie and say every call that I made was great. And when I was on record setting offensive teams that every call I made, I promise you that's not true. I've said this before. There's times where I made calls. I'm like, that was a dumb call. My dad would be like, it went for a touchdown. I was like, yeah, because that dude, my guy is really flipping good, but I, you know, that was on me. I should have done something different. We just were better than that team. And that happens. And so it's one thing to kind of explain it away. And that's fine. You know, explain it. You were asked the question. But it can't be a, well, I'd do it again. We just got to execute better. We got to do this. I don't, I don't want to be in a situation where Al Golden is sitting there. And I'm not saying he is or isn't. I don't know. This is why it's important for him to bounce back and say, man, if, you know, if, if, uh, if, boy, if, uh, if DJ Brown just makes that one play, then I'm the hero this week and no one's complaining about me. And he's, he's right. I mean, he's right. That, that's true. If, if DJ Brown picks off that pass, on the final drive, you held Ohio State to 10 points and you'd have held Ohio State to barely over 300 yards and you'd have come up with two huge fourth quarter stops and you're the hero. You are. But that's not what happened. And you had chances to make better calls in certain situations and get your guys in the field and you didn't do it. So you've got to take ownership and say, okay, but now let's rally past it. Let's move past it. This happened. That's on me. Not going to let that happen again. Now let's go get ready for Duke come up with a good game plan, but be willing to look in the mirror and say through five games, we struggle here and here. We're not disruptive all in the run game. We rank 130th out of 133 teams in tackles for loss per game. That's not good. We rank 100 and what was it? What did I have in the stats earlier? Like 100 and uh, let's see, 112th in sacks. They've had seven sacks in five games uh, and they rank 112th in sacks per game. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. And why? Okay, what we're doing is not working. We've blitzed the linebackers over 100 times this year. They've only got like nine hits on the quarterback. It's not good enough. So what can you do as a coach to say, okay, we, we need to still be disciplined. We need to be aggressive. We need to be we need to play to our strengths, which is our corners and 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 experience a linebacker. So but but maybe the way that we're going about this is not giving us the chance to really play to our full potential. They're doing a lot of good de- things defensively, folks. I mean, listen, the Notre Dame defense right now is holding its first five opponents to 12.8 points per game. They just held Ohio State to 17 points. They're seventh in the country after five games in yards per, per game, sixth in yards per play, fifth in red zone touchdown percentage, 10th in red zone defense overall. They're doing a lot of good things. This isn't about an overhaul. 
This is about what are the adjustments we can make to say against the better teams like Ohio State in the big moments, we aren't going to give up that 61-yard gain. We aren't going to give up that fourth quarter drive. And that we're going to be more of the team that that made those stops because for all the good things you think is Ohio State, Ohio State still got stopped on the one yard line. Ohio State got had two other drives and in oh in Notre Dame territory. So Ohio State's offense also didn't capitalize on some opportunities. Part of that was on the Notre Dame defense, just like I said, part of what Notre Dame stops were on the Ohio State defense. So you, you've got to you've got to be willing to say, as I've always said. It's not about the result. It's about the process. And sometimes you've got to look and say the results have been pretty good now. But when you look forward and you see the Duke offense and you see USC and you think of who Texas is, and you've got to look at college football and say the Washingtons and the Texases and teams like that is what we're doing now going to be good enough when we play those teams, when we play USC. And the reality is, it isn't. You just can't repeat what you did against Ohio State because some of the plays where you tackled Kyle McCord for a two-yard gain, Caleb Williams is running for 20. That's just the reality of it. Riley Leonard's running for 20. And so we want to say, hey, look, yeah, what we're doing right now is pretty good, but it needs to be better. And if you can do that, then you know I- I'm good with it because, yeah, you held Ohio State to 17 points, but you're still giving up in your two games against power five opponents this year, over 20 points a game, which is not bad, but you're not 12.8 points. You've, you've dominated some bad teams. You dominated Navy. Who's not that good. You dominated Tennessee state. Whose offense is terrible, even for the one double a level. And you got to be able to say, Hey, look, we've got to be better. We can be better. And here's how we can get better. We've got to get Jordan Patel better. How do we do that? Here's how we do that. You know, we've got to get, We've got to get Marist, you know, is, is got we're, we're using him to blitz a lot, but he's just not getting home a lot. Okay. What can we do to change that? Is there something we can do with him to make him better? Do we need to not trigger him in, as much in that way? Is there something that we can do maybe to, to adjust and adapt? There's all those type of things you have to be willing to look at and say, Hey, we can be better. We need to be better. And we're going to make those changes. And if Al Golden's willing to do that, then they're going to be fine because they're still pretty good on defense. They're going to be real fine. Matter of fact, they're going to be great if he's willing to make those changes. But if he's not, and it's just same old, same old, keep doing what we're doing and just doing a little bit. Because what was my big complaint about Brian Kelly? You guys remember this. After the 2020, after the 2014 season or 2015 season, you know, Brian Kelly comes out and says, you know, we just, just got to make a few more plays and, you know, coach a little harder or play a little better and coach a little harder and, you know, do all that kind of stuff and, and we'll be fine. And I was like, yeah, they ain't going to get it done. And then they come out the next year and it collapsed because they didn't have the, the, um, the sort of the, you didn't have the, the, the erasers. That's basically the way to look at it. He didn't have the erasers. He didn't have Jalen Smith. He didn't have Sheldon day. He didn't have, Romeo Aquar. He didn't have Kavari Russell. He didn't have a lot of those guys that were the erasers for the previous season. And so to me, it's not about looking at the stats. It's about saying, Hey, this is how we got to best use our personnel. Maybe on third down, instead of rushing Marist, you play Jalen Steed as a pass rusher. I don't think Jalen Steed is warranted playing more snaps. I think his snaps need to be used in different ways. 
maybe on third down that you need to start getting Josh Burnham more involved in the in the pass rush game. There's a lot of things you can look at and say, hey, these are things we can do to be more effective and to better utilize our personnel to where we're not just a good defense, but we're a great defense. And that's going to come down to coaching. And I like a lot of things that Al Golden's done, just like I like a lot of things that Jared Parker's done. But neither one of you, when the game was on the line, did what you needed to do to win that game. And that's got to be the next step. And if they can, if they can make those adjustments, so this is why I'm fired up. Like if they can make those adjustments and if they're willing to look in the mirror and say, Hey, we're doing a lot of good things, but we need to be better. We can be better. And here's how we adjust it. Then this team's going to really take off and it'll start this weekend. If they don't, then they're going to lose another game. I, I, I believe that they're going to lose another game because the margin for error is still a little too thin for me in this regard. So those are the guys to me that need to step up for Notre Dame as they get ready for, um, the next the next part of the the next part of the schedule, which is still going to be really really tough. So I had said before that I was going to uh, do a breakdown of the quarterbacks, but uh, shocker, I talked a little longer than I than I wanted to. So I do want to spend the next ten minutes or so answering some questions, and uh, and then we'll we'll talk. I'll talk about the quarterbacks in next week's next week's midweek mailbag or a midweek rundown. So I want to do want to get to some questions here real quick. We got Raymond Horton with us, Horton with a super chat. Thank you, Raymond. Thank you for all the hard work. Yeah, you guys, thank you for all the hard work, guys. Go our speed too. Thank you, Raymond. I appreciate that very, very much. Yeah, super chat from uh, Matt Bauer too. I think that's what that is. Hey, Brian, thanks for the breakdowns, man. Is there anywhere I can go to watch all 22 film? I want to be able to see the downfield route. So not all of them, but I will have some stuff every week where I show all 22 clips of certain plays. I will have some stuff with uh, uh, that kind of looks like the downfield routes where I thought Chris Tyree had some chances to make some big plays this week, but the ball didn't come his way. Uh, so the best place to do that, man, is on the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. There's no way I can give access to uh, the, the film and stuff that we have, so it's just not really something that I know of how you can do it other than just coming to the the message board, the premium board at our breakdown or boards at ourspreakdown.com. But thank you for the super chat very much. And, I, and if you're not a member, I think you'd, you're going to really like the stuff that we're doing. Tom Connor with super chat. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for keeping my feet on the ground. Still have a stomach ache from the punch in the gut. I'm with you, Tom. I mean, every day I wake up like, God, they had it right there. They had it right there and they just couldn't get it done. Also, super chat from Mark Krogan. Thank you, Mark. When you watch games at home, do you yell like we do? Well, no, uh, because when I watch games at home, it's usually the next day or that night. And so um, I don't yell at this TV. I've never been like a yell at the TV. Well, actually, no, that's not true. There's a couple times when I was coaching where I was I would yell at the screen, but not, not often. I usually would pound the table when I was mad because then, you know, that's not as audible and can't be heard as much. Uh, but no, I, um, I'll be watching this weekend's game at home, but I'm, I'm in work mode. So it's, it's, it's less emotional. It's more, it's more work, uh, in that instance. Archer four, five, two is Duke, the third or fourth best team on the schedule. Who is one player on each side of the ball that Notre Dame cannot overlook. I mean, right now they're the third best team on the schedule right now, because clearly they I mean, they beat Clemson by 21 points. So right now, they're better than – they're 4-0, Clemson's 2-2. Two two. So right now, uh, they're the third-best team on the schedule. Uh, Louisville's been pretty good so far, but right now there's no question that that Duke's the third-best team on the schedule. 
Uh, Riley Leonard, the quarterback, is the guy on offense. That's a no-brainer. I mean, he's the guy you've got to really, really worry about on offense. Then defensively, and I talked a lot about like Al Blades and Brandon Johnson and Miles Jones and all those type of guys. But you know, the guy that you've got to you've got to worry about to me uh, is Dwayne Carter. He's a really good run defender. If you're not good against him, he could have some impact against you, like Michael Hall type impact. You know, love Jamie L. Franklin still playing for them. Love absolutely love that kid. Great kid. You know, R.J. Owens a good player. Aeneas Peebles has actually been their most disruptive player. He's another one. He leads them in uh, – he's second in tackle. He leads the defensive line in tackles for loss and sacks this season. But Dwayne Carter can be a really stout run defender if you're not on top of your game up the middle. Jamie on Franklin, same way. So the interior, you're facing a lot more beef this week than you did last week. And so you're going to be – your, your guards and center, once again, are going to have to be on top of their game against their starting uh, interior guys. And then they rotate in Peebles, who's more about quickness and penetrating and those type of things. So it's a really nice, really nice combination of guys. That's the, th- those are the defenders that you can't do. But here, here's the thing that makes Duke good, Archer, is that there's not just one guy. There's not just one guy. If you stop this guy, they've got nothing else. You, it's, it's close to that on offense with Riley Leonard. But even then, it's like they still have good players. Defensively, it's like, hey, man, you know, you could, you could, you know, not – Al Blades and Miles Jones and and Dwayne uh, Walker and and Jamion Franklin and Aeneas Peebles and you know Dorian Mousey and Brandon Johnson leads the team in tackles. I mean, there's a bunch of guys you can't ignore, and that's what makes their defense so good, in my opinion. Matt, two twenty eleven GT, praying for health, Brian. Go Irish. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that very much. Florida Irish is uh, kind of off the radar, but what do you think is the outcome of the NC State versus Louisville game? I keep going back and forth on which scenario is best for Notre Dame's schedule perception. Uh, Louisville winning is the best for Notre Dame's perception, uh, and then Notre Dame beating Louisville because Louisville will be the game we remember later in the season. I don't know what to make of that game. I mean, I I thought there was no – I said last week I there's no way that NC State doesn't cover against Virginia. Virginia sucks, and Virginia almost beat them. I, I mean, I I'm just done – with locks this season because this is a crazy football season. So I don't know what to make of it. NC State is not – I expected them to more quickly adjust to Robert and I's offense than they have. They have not adjusted to it well at all. That's problematic, and they need to get that going here soon because their offense has just not been good this season. Louisville's been a good football team. They've had some sloppy wins, but they're winning. But Notre Dame – playing four straight games over ranked opponents and then going three and one against that, if they're lucky enough to do that, would be very big for the schedule and for the perception. Mr. Sanders says, love the white hat, Driscoll Collection. You can find this hat on the um, in the IB store. And there's a link to it in the description box below. And you can also find it uh, at the at boards.irishbreakdown.com. At the top, there's a link to the IB store. Karen asked, would our offensive coaching staff benefit from watching film from another school's games, like perhaps Washington? No, uh, not right now. Off-season, Karen, perhaps. Uh, there's always time in the off-season to kind of, who are the best offenses in the country? What are they doing? And is there anything that we can adapt that fits what we do? It's not about watching other teams. It's about looking at yourself, looking at the data, looking at the stuff you're doing. What are we not good at? And is it A, do we need to scrap it and focus more on these things? Or B, do we need to tweak some ways that we're getting to this where, look, this play's important for us. We're not very good at it right now. So what can we do to get better at it? Is it a personnel thing? Are we just not asking the right guys to run it? 
Are we not blocking it effectively because we're not in the right formations? Like, hey, we're trying to run it out of a three by one, but you know, maybe we can run it this way, or we're trying to run it weak side when in fact we need to maybe get an extra hat on that side. You know, do we need to run it where you know we're trying to run it out of a the the running back is offset straight up and he's getting downhill too quickly? You know, is it a thing where maybe we take him offset but back? They, there's other things they do where he's back where maybe that takes a little longer for him to get downhill, which times the run up. Um, maybe he's too far back and he's not get down quick quick enough. So it's it's that kind of stuff, Karen. They need to be evaluating and, and determining you know, why certain things aren't working. Why aren't we getting more out of this player? Why aren't we getting more out of that guy? When in looking at the things that he's done in practice that he's been very good at, say, hey, we need to do more of this because when this guy does this in practice, he's very good. Let's get him some of those opportunities. I think that's something that uh, would, would really work as well. Ray Holcraft says, with Mike Elko at the helm, what do you expect Duke to try to do defensively to stop their aim's run game? Will they stack the box, run multiple stunts, et cetera? They're going to keep doing what they're doing. They're going to be aggressive up front. They're going to run. They're going to be physical in the, in the interior. They'll run some t- some stunts. They'll do some line games in their linebackers. They do a really good job of getting different safeties into the box. So they really do a nice job of inserting that extra box defender in the run game. And uh, and they use quickness. I mean, that's the big thing is they're not going to let you get downhill with your run game. That's what they want to do. Use their quickness, uh, trigger their linebackers, be gap uh, gap assignment correct, and just be aggressive attacking downhill without being a, a heavy blitzing team. I don't think they're going to be a heavy blitz team. I think they're going to say, we're going to get our numbers in the box. We're going to make you beat us on the football. That's what I think they're going to do this weekend. And then uh, last uh, last question here real quick. I'll answer this before we get going. Jacob Hayden says, if you were to project, who is Notre Dame starting quarterback coming out of fall camp next season? Jacob, honestly, I have no idea. I don't even know if that guy's on the roster right now. I, I, I honestly have no idea. Because I could say it's going to be this guy today, but I say, well, Steve Angeli. Well, but what if Kenny Minchie beats him out between now and then? What if CJ Carr's phenomenal in spring practice and he needs to be that guy? What if they get a grad transfer um, or a transfer? I don't, I don't have any clue, man. Honestly, they're five games into this season. I want to see how the quarterbacks on the roster develop over the next seven games before I start thinking about whether or not you need a transfer. And then if you do go transfer out, which I think they will need to go transfer out, but is it a transfer like you're looking for the next name Hartman, or is it more of a we're looking for a veteran guy to provide depth? kind of like Ohio State did this year with the, the kid from Oregon State. They went and got a grad transfer quarterback, but it wasn't to start him or even have him in the competition. It was, you're a veteran guy that's going to give depth and leadership to the guys that are going to play. I think that's going to be determined by how the rest of the year goes. So that's going to do it, folks, for today's show. I, I really enjoyed today. I hope you all did too. Um, we'll have 6 o'clock tonight, IB Nation Sports Talk will be there. And then tomorrow we'll be back. Ryan and I will have our keys to victory, our prediction show tomorrow. And then Friday we'll be back for the mailbag. So um, we'd love to get more feedback on if you guys what you guys think about me switching the Friday and Monday shows, the recruiting with the mailbag. Uh, I'd love to get more feedback about this in the message board. So if it's someone, if you're if you're okay with that, some one of you guys kind of go put that on the message board. I'd love to get more feedback on that, definitely for sure. So anyway, have a great rest of your day, everybody. Uh, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, sign up for the message boards at boards.rsbreakdown.com. It's a great way to support our breakdown. Get a lot more Intel type of stuff, a lot more of the breakdown type of stuff, and just great conversation. That's uh, twenty. It's open 24-7, man. And Brian Felt and I will definitely look you back up, man, next time I'm in town. So uh, it's great hearing from you. Talk to you all again very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.